0: As individuals grow and change, they may wanna just rebrand to better reflect who they are now, as opposed to who they were when they started in the industry. I think there's a lot of good reasons to rebrand. It just depends on what your needs are as a content creator. Welcome back to On The Horizon. This is Melrose Michaels. I am your host, and I'm here to share what's worked for me in building my adult creator business to try to make building yours just a little bit easier. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to today's podcast. Welcome back to those who are familiar. We are going to jump right in. So a question that I was DM'd recently on our Work CEO Twitter was what should adult creators know about rebranding themselves? And I did answer this in a Twitter thread, but I do think it's a really important topic to just kind of expand on. I've personally rebranded twice throughout my 10-year career in the adult industry, and I think that there's probably a lot of other adult creators who are considering a rebrand for themselves that follow some of our pages and platforms. So the first and most common reason for a rebrand is a change in focus or direction. Sometimes content creators may find that their interests or their focus has shifted and then they want to create content that better reflects these changes. So for example, a Dom content creator may decide that they wanna pivot to focusing on, on like cosplay because maybe they're really drawn to that type of artistic expression and bringing a character to life. But that's just one situation. There can be tons of examples of changing your focus or direction as an adult creator. Another reason for a potential rebrand is just an expansion of content. So as adult creators grow and evolve, they may want to expand the type of content that they produce. So another example of this would be just like a primarily solo adult creator that maybe wants to start creating more partnered or collaborative content, but that would require a rebrand because likely they've built their audience around fans who like strictly seek out solo content. Not only could this justify a rebrand potentially but it could also justify launching an entirely new secondary brand to serve that entirely different market. So these are things to keep in mind. Another reason for rebranding is relevance and relatability. Adult creators may rebrand in order to stay relevant or relatable to their audience. This can include updating their branding to be more modern or more appealing to their followers and fans. And sometimes it's just a fresh overhaul. You know, you want a new font, some new logos, a new profile pic, um, maybe different color theme uh, across your brand. Sometimes it even includes a whole new stage name. Alternatively, rebranding can be great for personal growth and just change overall. So, as individuals grow and change, they may want to just rebrand to better reflect who they are now as opposed to who they were when they started in the industry. So, this can include just changes in personal styling or maybe your messaging. And then lastly, rebranding to separate your personal and professional identity. So some adult creators may want to rebrand in order to separate out their persona. For example, many of us saw during the COVID boom that IG influencers who came into the adult space during the height of OnlyFans, they often did so under identities that they carry in their real life. So without that separation of like a stage name or a persona, And then once they've grown in their adult industry image or career, they may decide to remedy that original approach with just a better rebrand to protect their safety and privacy. So no matter what the reason being, you know, for you looking to rebrand, I do think there is a preferred process um, about how you go in terms of implementing your rebrand. Now, don't get me wrong. I do also think that you can rebrand through like sheer force (laughs) and willpower. Um, without following anything that I say for the rest of this episode, you can change your name overnight one day and then tell your fans to call you that and kind of let na- nature take its course. But eventually your audience will realign with your new brand. But when you do it that way overnight, without warning, without a, a proper plan in, in place, you're more likely to lose fallout or to see fallout, like losing fans, a, a lower subscriber count, and also you know losing a segment of your audience. Which is something you've likely spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and even a lot of money building so we do want to avoid this so for that reason i'd suggest taking a more intentional approach to rebranding which is like a planned methodical step-by-step approach and that is what i want to discuss let's go into the process of rebranding i personally view this as a three-step process but step two is pretty involved so step one for me is just letting your fans know So telling your fans on social in a mass message, on your platforms, and via your email list that a rebrand is happening and when it's going to happen. Do not blindside them with this (laughs) rebrand. If you change your names across platforms without telling your fans, they're likely going to lose you among everyone else that they follow because they're not going to know who to look for. And if you do the same thing on, you know, adult platforms without warning, fans are going to seek out your profile and they're not going to be able to find you. So this can cause a drop of of engagement, which none of us obviously want. And this is why announcing a rebrand makes so much sense. It helps set the expectations with fans and it informs them that this process is coming while also priming them to more easily accept the change that's about to take place. So a little pro tip when you announce that you're going to rebrand, you can run polls on your social platforms or adult platforms and ask your fin- your fans for input on this rebrand that's upcoming. Only list options you you like, of course, in case that's what they vote for. Um, but you can list options. It's on you know your new name, your new brand colors, kind of the overall vibe and messaging. And then this will have your fans feeling more included in this process as a whole. Which will build rapport with them and keep them engaged throughout the rebranding process so when fans feel like they're a part of the changes that are coming they're a lot more likely to stay and see it through to the other side and i think that's really important so that's step one just announcing and letting your fans know that this is coming step two is going to be to create a timeline for the rebrand and this is the very very involved step so i've done my rebrands over a five day work week period so a monday through friday kind of system And I believe that that worked really well. So I would also recommend making sure that you're highly engaged over those five days, responding to comments, questions, messages, et cetera, because being engaged throughout this timeframe is important because you wanna reach as many of your fans as humanly possible, especially your most engaged fans to make sure that they know that this rebrand is coming. So what I'm gonna outline next is kind of what I did and when throughout that five-day timeline, and we're going to use the week timeline, so a Monday through Friday kind of outline of this. So on Monday, the first day of the rebrand, I would change your social at username to your new stage name. I would also recommend writing a post to reintroduce yourself to your fans under your new name. Now in this post, you want to be very careful to make sure that you mention your old username or stage name in the post itself. So that if anyone does lose you throughout this process and they search your old stage name or username, that is going to come up as a keyword and take them to this post that tells them what's going on. So I'm speaking in terms of Twitter primarily because every word you tweet is a keyword. It's searchable on Twitter. So making sure to mention your old username or at or stage name in your post in case they go searching for you, it's going to bring them up to this post as well as your past post and then they'll get informed also including an image in your announce, you know in your post that uses your new brand colors, your new font, and any other unique brand identifiers. Pin this post for the next 30 days and this is going to ensure that anyone that comes to your page in a 30 day period will see this post that lists your old brand identity, username stage name, as well as introduces them to the new one. So day one of the five day timeline. Monday, you're changing your at username, and you're creating this post to reintroduce yourself. If you're enjoying this podcast episode so far, please take one moment to share it with another one of your adult content creator friends because you know what the rule is here. We do not gatekeep and we want to make as many adult creators businesses as easy as possible. And you sharing this episode with them might do exactly that. Thanks so much in advance. Now let's move on to Tuesday. So Tuesday is when you're gonna change your at usernames across all of your adult platforms. So the OnlyFans, the Mannyvids, the Pornhub, and anywhere else that you publish content, send out a mass message to all of your fans and followers on each platform that has you know messaging capability to fans, saying essentially the same thing that you did in your pinned Twitter posts when you reintroduced yourself under your new brand. If possible, if it allows you to, I would even include a link to that Twitter social post directly in that mass message on OnlyFans, et cetera. Now, if you're a cam performer, I would suggest that you go live this day, this you know day two, day one even, of your rebrand and inform your fans about things live on camp. So one way to approach this is that you could use this live stream as a type of Q&A, like a live Q&A, to discuss the rebrand, whatever your reasons are, highlight fans who may have contributed ideas, fans who voted in your polls if, if you did that approach, just to get some interaction as well. But this, this live stream will... Again, help with engagement throughout the process. And if you are primarily a live webcam model, I suggest going live, again, all five days of this rebrand timeline just to ensure that your live community is informed on what's happening. Because as we know with live webcam, if you're not super consistent, you're gonna miss your fan base. Like maybe they show up a few days a week, but if you go live for all five of those days and you're informing them about this rebrand all five of those days, you are more likely to have An interaction with with most of your fan base or majority of your tippers on cam during that five-day period so because that might be primarily where your income comes from if you are a webcam model uh, I would definitely suggest going live as much as possible during this timeline period now for day three this is going to be Wednesday you're gonna want to change your at username on the adult platforms sometimes this changes your physical links so when you changed everything over on Tuesday on Wednesday, you need to check and make sure that your actual physical links to all of those adult platforms that you change your username on on the day before, those links still work and aren't broken. So you're going to want to make sure that they're still active because sometimes when you change your username, your link will change. So make sure that you update, you know, your link tree, which hopefully you guys aren't using link tree, but something similar um, or whatever website landing page you're using to reflect your new links so that traffic can still flow freely from your socials to your adult sites if you do not properly you know adjust your links there's a a pretty good chance that a lot of them may be broken and this is the the main thing i want to avoid if you aren't currently using proper campaign tracking links or just tracking links in general on your social media to take your followers from social to your adult platforms i would highly recommend implementing those this on this day as well this wednesday of the timeline now if you're an onlyfans creator you can do this by going into your settings and clicking on campaign tracking links you should create a unique tracking link for let's as an example we'll, we'll do instagram so you should have a unique tracking link for your instagram story and another unique tracking link for your instagram bio so this is going to create a, a special link to your only fans that tracks how many people click the link and how many of those people who click actually subscribed to your platform or paywall now this example for instagram you would only use your IG story campaign tracking link when you're posting an IG story with a link on it. And then you would only use your IG bio tracking link in, say, your Instagram bio or on your link tree or whatever landing page you use. This is done so that you can get data over time to know if your fans convert better from your Instagram story to your paywall, from clicking your Instagram bio to your paywall. And of course, this is just an example. Because obviously, Instagram, you have to do this at your own risk. Not everyone's Instagram has the same rules in terms of linking to OnlyFans. So use your best judgment for that. But the same is also applied for Twitter. So you could have a tracking Twitter bio link, and then you could have a tracking Twitter post link. And what's going to happen is if you even wanted to, you could create a tracking link for each new tweet that promotes your OnlyFans or your paywall to collect data on just how that individual tweet is performing in terms of conversions. And that will kind of over time tell you tweet A performs really well and gets me subscribers, but tweet B didn't perform as well and get me as many subscribers. So then you would know to recreate or realign your future tweets of promotion with tweet A because it got you good results. Now, if you're not an OnlyFans creator, you can still gather a lot of the same data using a free link shortener like bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, for example. You can go to bit.ly and create special links that redirect to your adult platforms, But in the Bitly dashboard, you'll be able to see how many clicks those links are getting. You won't get to see subscriber count, but you will see clicks, and that's not nothing. So the important part about tracking links is just that it supercharges your data. If you know your subscribers are coming from Instagram majorly, then you double down on Instagram as a promo platform. If more of your traffic is coming from Twitter, then you know to double down on Twitter, etc. Either way, tracking links or not, this Wednesday of your rebrand timeline should be for making sure that all of your links work, after having changed the usernames on Tuesday. So just ensuring that flow from social is still going to your doll paywalls and everything is active and not broken due to the username change. If you skip the step, then you run the risk of having broken links, losing traffic and you know, ultimately losing revenue. So I can't tell you how many times I have checked a creator's profile and at least one or more links on their, you know, link tree or their their landing page has been broken. It's a very easy fix that has a huge ripple effect in terms of your earnings. So please, 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 if you're taking one thing away from this, make sure your links still work. It is that important. Now that brings us to Thursday, which is to update your personal site. So if you have a blog that you maintain or a personal website to help with you know, SEO, search engine optimization, or maybe even email capture, make sure that you update and edit it to reflect your new name and your new brand. Especially if you have an email capture that has email automation flows if you already have, or if you have any of those set up. So, when I say email flows, for example, if you were to click on, you know, my Melrose Michaels Twitter and click on the bio uh, link that is there, it's going to ask you for your email to get a free trial to my OnlyFans. And this is kind of how I capture the emails I do. Once a fan submits their email, they're automatically emailed off a message that includes their free trial link. So, making sure that that email that goes out refers to you by your new stage name, reflects your new brand colors, whatever font you're going to be using, etc. is really important to just have continuity across your brand as a whole. And I find that email automation specifically often fall through the crack when creators or companies do rebrands. So just making sure that you're, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Thursday is for updating your personal site, email capture, etc. And a little pro tip here, if you, um, or when you rebrand, Creating a new email for your new stage name, as well as updating all your socials, website emails, adult platforms, whatever, to go to that new stage name's email account. So if prior- if you're prioritizing um, security, I would suggest that you make this new email with your new stage name on ProtonMail. And if you are prioritizing convenience, I would suggest creating your new stage name email on Gmail. So it kind of depends for you as a creator, which ranks higher for you in terms of importance, but making sure you have a new email to support your new stage name and that all of your platforms, socials, et cetera, are going to be linked to your new email with your new stage name. Now, this brings us to Friday, which is the fifth day during this kind of rebrand timeline. And on Friday, you're going to change your social media profile images and your adult platform profile images to whatever your new image is going to be for your brand. So, your profile pic is something that makes you really recognizable to fans and it's usually the same across all social platforms um, including your adult platform profile images. So, while we want to make this change last so that your fans have had the maximum time allotment to get informed that a rebrand is happening. Typically, fans will identify us by a profile image before anything else even before a username. So, changing this last ensures that fans have adequate time up to this point to kind of grasp what's happening, prepare for it and understand um, that they should be looking for a new image or a new name, et cetera. So now that we've got the timeline all sorted, I'm gonna move on to step three. So this is kind of the final step for me in in terms of a rebrand. And that is going to be to thank your fans for supporting you. So after you've completed your five-day rebrand timeline, you should make a gratitude post just thanking your fans for their support, for addressing you by your new brand name or new stage name and participating in your rebrand if you did polls and and kind of had that fan input factor because this is going to encourage fans to just stay receptive and also to more easily adapt to the new. So overall this is a fairly you know general rebrand checklist but I hope that it'll help you get started on your rebrand journey if that's something you're currently considering doing and just remember that rebranding takes a lot of time and fans will need that time to adjust. So in my experience it's only ever taken around 3 months for people to kind of forget my old branding, my old name and kind of adopt the new. So don't be afraid of rebranding. I know it can feel really daunting and scary because it kind of feels like you're uprooting something you've worked for over a long period of time. But I'd love for anyone listening and who's considering, you know, rebranding to kind of reframe that as you're not uprooting uprooting what you've built so far, but kind of renaming it you're giving it new life you're letting it grow and evolve into this next chapter because the only thing that is important for your brand ultimately is that you have your audience so as long as you have your audience your followers your fans intact the the name they call you the colors they associate with you the profile image that they attribute to you those things can adjust they're not you know in concrete um, solidified for all of time those things can move and change although I wouldn't encourage it can like all the time. Um, one rebrand in a career is plenty. I've had two. Um, I hate to say it, but uh, just know that your audience is the most important thing to protect within your brand itself. And you don't typically lose a lot of audience when you go through a rebrand. It just might take people a little bit to re-find you, rediscover you. Um, but hopefully, if you adhere to this process, a lot of that can be. Um, I was probably six years into my career when I rebranded from Chastity Merlot to Melrose Michaels. Um, And then there was a tiny stint of time, a year or less, where um, only on premium Snapchat, I went by a name Dakota James. And that was because the company I was working with, they forced you to take on a brand name they assign you, and it it was this whole other thing. So I've had kind of two rebrands, one serious one and one kind of inconsequential one. But either way, it can be done. It can be done smoothly, and I don't want anyone who listens in today to feel like it's going to be this overwhelming, scary, terrifying task. So um, at this point, I'd love to open it up for anyone listening who has questions, comments, suggestions, and I will start bringing you guys up to speak. Don't be shy. I do want to mention that we have a lot of great courses coming out in the next few months, including a course about a new platform that can help you automate and generate new subscribers to your fan sites. Also, AI solutions for adult creative businesses. You guys know I've been playing with a lot of AI lately, testing things, seeing what use case it could have for us. Um, and then another course on how you can track your free trials with fans and actually see how you monetize those fans, even though they arrived on your platform via free trial. So, again, if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, please do so and make sure you have our notifications turned on so that you never miss a new course. Our YouTube is Sexwork CEO. I'm sorry, youtube.com forward slash SWCEO. I also want to take a moment to say a huge thank you to everyone who subscribed to work CEO's Telegram bot. You guys have given us a lot of positive feedback and suggestions on other things we can do with this bot, which I'm really excited to integrate. If you haven't already heard, SexWork CEO released a Telegram bot. It essentially sends you daily adult content inspiration, as well as the captions that you need for your feed, your PPV locked messages, um, for clip stores clip store descriptions. And the ideas are researched by AI so that they're like trendy and highly desirable based on what fans are currently searching for and seeking. And then also the ca- the captions that come with it are optimized with calls to action so that ideally you'll increase your earnings and your unlock potential with each caption. So uh, the Telegram bot basically pushes your daily dose of inspiration to your phone every day around 10 a.m. CST, Central Time, so that you don't have to waste your time researching, planning, coming up with ideas or caption. Basically, the bot just takes care of all of it. We're also looking to expand our bot into doing some DOM niche um, content ideas and captions, as well as uh, a webcam version of the bot for, like, webcam show ideas daily so the cam girls that follow us or cam creators that follow us. I know when I cammed, coming up with fun ways to, like, entertain fans when I was logging on daily was so daunting. So I'm really hoping that this will help with that. All right. So let me bring up some of these speakers. All right. You have the mic left.
1: Okay. So... Um, My brain is in a very weird space right now. Um, Very, very weird. I I guess you can call it a, well, let me just say, I took a large break. I've been on break most of the year and it's just like, hey, baby, (laughs) that's what just hit me a heart. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like, how do you deal with the silence, right? Like when you disappear for a while and then you come back, I've really been struggling with the silence and finding motivation to continue to post. And continue to be active on my paid sites. Um, do you have any advice on how to come back or how to deal with that silence?
0: Okay, so can I ask what what are your paywalls currently? Like, are you more a fan site creator, clip creator,
1: cam creator? What is unique? not a? Um, so I make a lot of money on uh, my clip sites, but I also have paid sites.
0: Okay, so are are you like on OnlyFans or what? Which platform?
1: Yeah, OnlyFans, Model Central.
0: Okay, so my suggestion, so with with something like OnlyFans, I find that engagement, once it dies down, it's is hard to recoup, but it can be done. So one of the ways to get engagement back kind of lively on OnlyFans is to do a live stream, like do a little camp show. It doesn't have to be like an explicit show. It can even just be like Q&A, a welcome back, um, just something to get users to see you in real time, because a lot of users will disconnect or disassociate the creator from their fan site. Like a lot of um, fans also assume that fan sites aren't being run by the creators themselves, that it's either an agency or an assistant or, or what have you. So kind of going live to recultivate the relationship with the fans, especially if you've got, been gone for some time, is a great place to start. And then the, the caveat I would say to that to kind of supercharge it would be to turn it into some kind of event, like an event that you promote across social and that you Um, kind of turn into like a party, like a celebration where people are going to hear about it maybe two weeks in advance. You're going to hype it up for two weeks. So there's this um, massive like suspense and uh, expectation. And then when they join the live, you know, make sure you are on for the set like hours that you set. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's two hours, three, whatever it is. Um, And have like fun stuff planned like games or something very interactive and not necessarily for strictly tippers, but like have Have a game that is available for people non-paying, like maybe a question game, like 21 questions or um, something of that nature. And then a paid game at the same time for tippers who want to participate. This way your chat is never kind of dead and and silent, but very engaged from either the non-paying users or the tippers. And this is just going to kind of get them used to interacting with you, engaging with you, reconnecting with you in that like big amped up live event is a super great place to start. And then on the flip side of that, The only other thing I would add is to get really active on social. And when I mean active, I don't necessarily mean like posts or promotions, but replying to fans, going in your your fan list of people who follow you, randomly selecting one and tweeting at them directly. Like going and reengaging those users kind of one by one, and not to the extent that you're going to do this for a year and, and talk to every single person, but to do it so that other fans following you see that, And then they start getting encouraged to engage with you as well. So those would be the things you can also try a Twitter space with fans. I can ask me anything Twitter space that could also get some good engagement and get fans to kind of become active again, too. But those would be the three places I'd start a big event in terms of a live stream um, and then also engaging one on one on social and then maybe a, a space on Twitter just to kind of have that kind of Twitter version of a of a camp stream, but an audio stream.
1: Okay, to piggyback off of that, so the live stream I've thought about doing, but I have a dilemma. So I told you I have a Model Central and I have a OnlyFans. My Model Central is more of my VIP membership Mm -hmm. and my OnlyFans is kind of like they pay to get in, but it's still pay-per-view over there. I don't know which one to go (laughs) live on because I know OnlyFans, I have much more, many more subscribers over there. And it's easier for them to tip and to interact with you compared to on Model Central because for me to go live on Model Central, they have to actually be a member.
0: Okay. So where do you make more of your money, OnlyFans or Model Central?
1: Uh, OnlyFans because I just started my Model Central. I decided a lot of my content goes against, um, what do you call it, terms of service on OnlyFans. And I was getting reported left and right. And I'm like, it's not smart to have all my eggs in this OnlyFans basket. So I was like, let me just have a backup page and put all of my hot stuff over there anyway. So I have a nice amount of subscribers over there. It's really quiet over there, meaning like I just post content over there. They go beat their dick and gone about their business. Mm -hmm. Compared to OnlyFans, it's so much easier to be logged in and communicating constantly.
0: Yeah. So what I I would say, okay, so when it comes to something like that, you can always test. I still personally would focus the live on OnlyFans. But you can also do both at once. You can go live on your Model Centro from a laptop and have only fans live on your phone. Um Yeah, I don't know why they do get- that. <laughs> Yeah. And then then you can kind of see my experience is that my fans on fincentro are more kind of to what you said like they get off and leave. They're not as engaged and connected. Um mm-hmm. and I mean fincentro and Model Centro are different but same company in the back end. So f- for me I still lean towards only fans, but you can definitely do both and try to capitalize on both. I suggested to, I believe it was a Stream model recently. Stream yeah, or Strip Chat, one or the other, to co, you know, multi stream live to her OnlyFans. And that has completely changed the way her OnlyFans performs in terms of revenue. So if you can multi stream, girl, double dip.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go on mute. I do have a like another question, but I want to make sure everybody gets to speak.
0: Okay, for sure. I'll bring up Melody next. Melody, let me add you as a speaker. All right, Melody, mic is yours.
2: Hey, so I just had a question about. If you're rebranding to, like, skirt around the algorithms or something, like, like I've been Melody J for over 10 years. But if I wanted to change my name to get a, a, away from, like, being flagged on places, uh, so on and so forth, how do you rebrand that without losing, like, all your fans?
0: Gotcha. So the only, so there's a, a couple pieces to this question. The only thing that will be useful of a rebrand for you know getting around algorithms or shadow ban for example is if it's safe for work because if you're rebranding and it's still going to be adult you're going to face all the same problems you're just starting over with less audience which is useless so what i would do is opposed to rebranding because i mean i don't i don't particularly like obviously melody we've worked closely already in the past because you were in kind of our mentorship little space so um i don't see a reason unless i'm uninformed on like you wanting to change directions or something potentially for a proper rebrand like changing your name But what I would suggest is launching the safe for work socials that are super safe for work and then using that as a way to get around the algorithm, the shadow ban and focusing kind of that promotional super safe for work, like forward facing brand to to solve that issue of getting around the shadow ban in the algorithms. Just to relaunch uh, another not safe for work brand, you're just going to be faced with the same issues, I think. Okay, thank you. Okay, let me bring up Cassie. You added a speaker. I believe you have the mic, Cassie.
2: Uh, so I am, uh, so I'm a cam creator. I do on Flirt for Free, which is kind of cool because they have like a fan club option. And I can do pay per view videos and all that too. But um, you mentioned right before the questions that um, there's going to be a thing where um, you're putting out like to help us with coming up for ideas for live shows and stuff. Um, can you tell us more about that and what that is? Is that going to be like a Twitter space or?
0: Okay, so that's going to be part of our Telegram bot. So we launched um, a bot on Telegram where it's essentially like you'll get a daily Telegram message from me and it's going to give you, you know, a content video idea, more so a storyline because I never know what creator creates what kind of content. Like if you create JY, if you do solo masturbation, if you do boy girl, like I'll never know that. So it's more of the storyline to the content to give you a dose of like inspiration, where to take the video and then you do so within your own boundaries. But you get the content idea, which are researched by AI to see what's kind of like trending, what fans are searching for, um, what's like highly requested right now. And then that gets worked into the content idea. And then it gives you all the captions for if you're going to sell it on a feed, if you're going to sell it in a PPB, if you're going to sell it in a clip store. And then it it sends an inspirational quote, too, just because I'm corny. But that's kind of what the bot does. So you'll get that message from us every day in Telegram. And that is the sex work CEO bot. So with the webcam piece, what I want to do, because when you sign up to the sex work CEO bot, the only option right now is that what I just described, the daily inspo in, in captions um, product, but ultimately we'll have more product, products under that bot where instead of daily inspo in captions, maybe you subscribe to the daily webcam show ideas. And if you're subscribed to that, then instead of the content idea in captions every day, you're going to get what would be a webcam show idea every day. And kind of some ideas on how you could structure it or what you could you know play when you're live on cam and, and things like that so we haven't flushed it out fully but that's kind of the gist it would be the same thing as the, the sex work ceo bot it would just be a different version of it so instead of the content captions you're getting the daily webcam show and like ideas for chat
2: okay yeah that would that would be super helpful like right now i have a couple different games that i play on live stream just to kind of you know, keep it interesting so that way you're not just sort of sitting there like, OK, someone get a private show. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So i t- so that that would be awesome. Um, Yeah. I've never really heard of Telegram, but I'll check it out. It's like WhatsApp kind of right. Yeah. It's kind of like
0: WhatsApp. But yeah, Telegram is great for a lot of reasons. We actually did our last podcast entirely about Telegram and all the different ways you can use it when we take we already posted a blog which is like the transcription of that space. So if you go to sexworkceo.com and go to our blog section, you could read about Telegram too if you did want more information. It's like my favorite tool. I, I use I live on Telegram. Like I'm on there probably twenty two hours a day between communicating with my like teams internally for planning SexWork CEO stuff for organizing my content because it saves it in Telegram and I can pull it remotely like from the cloud. Like there's a thousand use cases for Telegram. It's a fantastic app.
2: Awesome, thank you.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, let me see here. Looks like we can bring you back up, but Queen,
1: if you're ready, all right. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to ask you, how do you manage running uh, a large brand? Like, how do you manage running clip stores, um, subscription sites, blogs, podcasts, <laughs> as well as academies?
0: Yeah. Um, so this is a. Uh... I think people have a misconception that I'm doing everything myself, which I'm not. There's, it's just not possible. But right now, what I do is I have a team um, internally. So for like, for Melrose brand, as like the Melrose company, the creator brand, um, it's me and two other people in my internal team. So when I'm creating content, editing contacts, I still do all of that myself, just because I'm a control freak about my image and what I put out. Um, but beyond me producing the content and editing it, I send it off to my team to do all the scheduling. So when we schedule content, it will first publish to my OnlyFans. Then about a week later, it publishes to the clip stores. Um, the same day it goes up on OnlyFans, but a few hours later, it will go to my other fan sites like the Fancentro, the My Club. Uh, you know, if I was on, I have a fan but it's not active, but it goes to all the other platforms I'm on. Um, so that's facilitated by my team. I will do the copywriting for it, just because the copy, like the captions, is so crucial to getting unlocks and tips and revenue. Um, So I still do that myself. And then on the Melrose side as well, I do have people helping me to schedule social posts from time to time. Not a core thing that they help do now, but it's something that was they were very involved with in the past. Right now, I'm actually doing that myself as well. And then for Networthy Clothing, so I have the company Networthy Clothing, which is like clothing for sex workers they have funny shirts that say like nobody's role model your boyfriend buys my nudes basically stuff you can wear on instagram to say you have a, a fan site but without saying it as a way for advertising um and with networthy that company has one other person in it aside from me that helps me you know updating new clothing drops that helps me go over analytics that helps me uh, run uh, instagram ads for example and post to shop networthy's instagram and twitter and then on the sex work CEO side, I have me and Bryn, who is co-hosting right now. She she's basically a super human and helps me get all the things done. As far as sex work CEO goes, I do all the course material. Obviously, I do um, I write out the newsletters that go out every month. I write out the blogs, which are transcribed from these Twitter spaces. So that is kind of streamlined. Like I'll hold this Twitter space, we transcribe it and rework it into a blog, but the content is there from the space. So it's really easy to do. Those blogs also get pushed out in our email list. And then, trying to think what else we do. And then the bot—I mean, I run the the new bot myself as well. So I'm manually, you know, crafting all the captions to make sure they're optimized. I'm pulling the research out of the AI what it says is trendy to push those out to you guys. For the most part, everything is just streamlined. So there's a lot of systems in place that we use. Um, You know, we schedule our posts on Twitter across all the companies so that we don't have to do that manually. We'll schedule our Our reels, um, you can do that now inside Instagram's app itself. So we we kind of just use all the tools we have, but it's also just not me if it was just me, I, I couldn't do everything consistently. And I think that's the big difference is like creators can be so hard on themselves because they can't stay consistent, because that's like the number one hard thing to do is to stay consistent. But it's very easy to stay consistent. Well, not easy, but it's easier to stay consistent when you have a team facilitating that because you're held very accountable. And this is probably a little bit controversial, but when you're your own adult creator and you know, you're running your own business, you don't have anyone saying, hey, this is due or like, hey, you've got to log on today or hey, you've got to post a video today. You just you're at the mercy of yourself. And humans are notoriously not disciplined. (laughs) Like we just we're doing the best for survival. And occasionally we just want to binge Netflix. And that counts for me, too. Um, But when you have a team that you've built out and people that are on the payroll that one, you have to be able to pay them, which means you have to be bringing in money. If you're not doing the work, there's no money coming in. So that's a problem. Um, but two, they're going to be asking you for things. So like today, I got a text message from Brynn who's like, hey, you know, we're about to run out of Twitter threads. We got to get those scheduled. It's like, OK, now I'm held accountable. I've got to go in after this Twitter space and schedule you know, the next 70s of Twitter threads that are going to go out and source all that information and make sure it's valid and and all of that. So it, having a team is like how you do the things. And also I've had a lot of creators that have asked, like, when is it appropriate to hire someone? Typically, my response to that is like, unless you're at like this, I would say the 7 to 10K a month mark in terms of revenue, I would hold off hiring someone because it can get really scary and it's a lot of pressure to have someone else on your payroll. And that pressure is, depending how you handle that kind of pressure, will depend on how you perform. So I would say around the 7 to 10K mark before you hire your first person, who will usually cost you depending if you hire overseas, you know, cheap for like a virtual assistant, which could be much less money, like 500 bucks a month. But if you hire US-based, someone who, you know, can write and speak English really, really fluently, someone who's native, then you're looking at, you know, a living wage in the US, which is like 2000 to $3,000 a month. So you have to be prepared to, to bear the burden of that cost, as well as being consistent for them so that it's worth the cost and it's giving you an ROI on your money and on your time. So... Sorry, that's a, like a long-winded question, but the the way I do the things is I have people to help make sure I do the
1: same. Is there anybody else that wanted to speak? No no request yet. It's yours. Okay, you? I get one last question. <laughs> well, sure. first of all, I ask you that question because I'm very inconsistent and I realize it's because of the pressure of everything I have to do. Like I do Skypes all day, every day. I have to pump out content for both of my sites. I have like three clip stores, I have a blog, I have a podcast. I've been building in the background of Foot Model Academy to help women that want to get into foot fetishism and all of that, like recording the content for that, it's overwhelming. And sometimes it's so overwhelming, you're like, I just need to go to sleep. I need a nap. So <laughs> that's why I was asking you that. Um, before I ask my next question, where do you get your employees from, though? Like, I have an issue trusting people to handle my stuff. I think maybe because I'm such a control freak. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you where, where do you find people?
0: So, okay, so two part question. So, one I want to talk about your businesses and the way and maybe some things you can streamline there because I heard some things that I think we could make that process easier on you. But two, in terms of hiring, my first assistant ever was a virtual assistant from India. It only ran me about 300 bucks a month. He was doing very, you know, non-sex work related tasks, clearing my email, scheduling social posts, nothing to do with my adult business. At least not directly, like not in terms of content. Then I had hired a friend, a real life friend, who was also an adult, kind of like, like shallowly, like just toes in the water, like launched an OnlyFans page. But he was a dear friend of mine and it worked out. But also working with friends can be difficult because when things aren't getting done, you have to have those conversations. So ultimately we parted ways. I told him he needed to focus more on being a creator and he's blown up since. And then that brings me to kind of present day which one of the core teammates I have in Melrose Brand is someone that I hired off of Upwork. So I'm a big, big fan of Upwork. You can go on the website, you can search you know, freelancers, you can interview through the site and you can send payment through the site, all like very fluidly, very built in. It's like a beautiful platform. Um, you can also see reviews from people they worked with in the past. You can see like how much they've earned on Upwork working with other people. So that's a fantastic place to find and hire. However, what I will say is something typically people don't do, especially in our industry or mine in our industry in, in business in general, is to like hire the first person that sounds good and then settle for whatever that quality of work looks like. That is not something I do anymore that's a mistake I used to make. but now like I've gone through and I have hired and I have fired and I have hired and I have fired for months on end until I found the person I wanted on my team. And I think that's really important because especially in this you're sharing so much of yourself with the world and with any team member that you bring on that you need to trust them. You need to know they've got your back. You need to know that they're on your team and that they want to like build this thing with you. So definitely don't be afraid of hiring and firing until you find your diamond because I think that's really important. And I think a lot of people will just settle, you know, out the gate, um, which I do not recommend. So now back to what you had mentioned about your, your academy and the way you content, uh, create content, and it sounds like you spend a lot of time on Skype, which you mentioned. I was going to suggest, and I don't know how you're doing this, but if you wanted to streamline those processes, so I'm sure you're probably recording Skypes or at least a side angle Skype to resell, like Warrior video. Do you do any of that?
1: I don't. I don't record my Skypes.
0: <laughs> okay, so that could be another way to double dip on that as content, even if it's not like the laptop view directly on a view, but like a phone set up on the side just so you have content already getting made while you're doing work you're already doing. So that would be one. And then two, if you have any, like when you're doing foot fetish content, if you have a secondary phone or maybe like a partner's cell phone or, or just another device, iPad, computer, something, to record off of the side when you're doing fee content, this way you have a side angle of what you're doing with the camera. It can see your setup even. It can hear what you're saying. And that what you could go do is when you that side angle of you creating the foot footage content you can just voice over your lesson as like an educator of like i'm touching this and i'm doing this because xyz and then i'm changing in this angle to show this part of my foot because xyz so you can turn that alternative angle into course content as well potentially
1: awesome yeah. so upwork i loved upwork for my vanilla businesses but i got kicked off of upwork for wanting somebody to help me with my spicy side so how do you do that
0: yeah, I keep it vague. I've been, I've been temporarily kicked off of work once because I asked to hire someone to write erotic stories and that was too much for them, apparently. Um, so you have to be, like, I guess around the bush. Usually I'm advertising for, like, a personal assistant or a virtual assistant. And then once they reply, I ask for their email um, to send them materials, quote-unquote. And then once I get their email, I'll send them a proper email saying, hey, I just want to make it very clear, like, this is the kind of position I'm hiring for. I am in this industry, etc." so that they're informed. And if they agree going forward, just say like, I'm going to keep all communication via email or, you know, via telegram, a friend telegram, which is what I typically do in those private channels, and then just facilitate payment to them in like tracking hours with that higher on Upwork.
1: Okay. So my last question that I wanted to ask was, I'm in a little dilemma right now when it comes to um, my branding. Oh, because I am a now I'm a full-time world traveler and um I've been struggling with sharing kind of my journey and like taking pictures and things like that um because how can I put it it's kind of like I don't know if it's because I'm a private person but I kind of don't want to mix my real life with my sex work life yeah but I know that you've spoken in a previous um spaces about, you know, having something very, very vanilla for TikTok and for Instagram and then funnel them to your XX site, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided to do that. But my vanilla um, branding is based around my travel. Okay. So and yeah, I've been scared to kind of merge those two parts of me because if I go to a restaurant in Italy, or I go to whatever the case may be, I'm going to naturally, you know, take pictures of my fit, my shoes, my feet. And then, you know, of course, I want to funnel that over to the spicy side but it's kind of I don't know it's kind of personal to me if that makes any sense it
0: is and it's it's funny you bring this up because this is actually something I struggle with a lot because I I naturally am a very private person and that's been hard for me even like I've been trying to do daily vlogs and stuff lately but it feels weird to share private spaces of my life or even private physical spaces of my home you know on social media that I've kind of felt up until now were reserved for me and my husband and you know my real life Uh, so I totally get that what I would suggest is when you're kind of documenting these things or going about them so this is just what I'm envisioning I don't know that this is how you do it but like if you're traveling and you're going to like a restaurant in Italy for example and say you're walking on cobblestone and you have your phone recording your feed because that's obviously going to overlap with your you know spicy stuff and then you walk into the restaurant and you see the menu on the screen And then you're seated at a table and you see yourself sit down in front of like the placemat or whatever's on the table or the flower, whatever. Um, And then your food comes and you snap to that. So like, I think there's ways to do it that doesn't feel so personal, but still gets the point across. Like, I think you need to draw the personal boundary at the things that you hold like in regard, like for you only. Like maybe that's a partner, maybe that's a, a special place that you visit. But I think you can still document. Like, If you think about it as documenting versus sharing, I think that helps reframe it a little easier. Like that's what's worked for me is like I'm not sharing everything with my fans. I'm just documenting my day to day. And that looks like this picture of my food and this picture of my makeup and this picture of me turning on the shower or whatever. So if you reframe it to documenting versus sharing, I think that'll help. And also just making sure that you exclude the things that really matter to you and you want to hold private. And Maybe consider the things you're sharing as they, they might not just, they just may not be that as personal as they feel. Because I for me, there's been a process too of like all those things I didn't want to share after I've shared them, they actually, they weren't that significant for me. I don't know if that will be the case for you, but some of them like certain parts of my house and stuff like that, that I thought were like really private to me, I've kind of come to be like, oh, that wasn't even that serious. Like, it was in my head kind of, you know, you build that stuff up. So I would say think of it as documenting and sharing. And then make sure you have like a hard boundary in terms of what is not allowed and what you do not want to share. And then just play with the rest of it. The rest of it is in motion. It can be, you know, you can scale back if you don't like it. If you're putting too much out, you can pull back. Like that's totally allowed.
1: So with the documenting, of course, if you build social profiles, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube about documenting your journeys, I think one of my biggest fears is like you know, people in the spicy world knowing that I'm a spicy girl, but I'm on these vanilla platforms like YouTube sharing just regular stuff. What if that messes up situations to where you can get branded? What do you mean branded? So I'm just throwing something out there. So let's say if I decide to do document my travels as the travel blogger and people know that I'm a spicy content creator. What if somebody somewhere wanted to link with me for some type of branding like a... um. To promote a product, but then they find out I'm a spicy worker.
0: Yeah. And so I don't know that this is gonna be like a liked answer, but that's probably just gonna happen. What I will say is that when that, like, first off, like, you gotta, you gotta, you're also a person, right? Like, you've got different sides to you, but you are one whole person. So travel is a, a passion of yours, spicy stuff is a passion of yours, education, it sounds like, is a passion of yours. And I'm so, saying you've got like a dozen other pieces of yourself. Uh, a sister, mother, daughter, whatever it may be. So you don't get to choose to be a fraction of yourself in life. Like, that's just not how it works, even though sometimes we'd like it that way. We can segment things off that we don't share, but in reality, you're one being. So when a brand comes and wants to work with you, if they don't like that you have this other brand out there, like, then they're not a good person or a good fit for what you represent because you're going to have a lot of crossover. Either way, like coming from adult into vanilla and coming from vanilla into adult. Like that's what happens in business. Once they fall in love with you, the person, the whole person, they're going to want to see what other stuff you do. So I think that the brands that are worried about that, they're going to filter themselves out because they're, you know, scared of whatever. Um, And then the brands that are going to embrace you for being a whole person are going to work with you. And I think that that filter in life, whether it's for, collabs in business, whether it's for friends in your life, for loved ones, like being an adult is a great filter where people can swipe right or left on whether they want an association. And it saves you the work as a person from wondering, like, do you like me for me? Or do you just want X, Y, Z? And so I think letting the brands and the businesses and the people even filter themselves out a way to get to like what's inevitable. Like you wouldn't want to work with a brand five years long then have them find out what you do and drop you like that is way worse than going into it knowing and accepting you so i would just say that you have to remember your whole person and the brands that you want to work with or like hotels for travel and stuff that want to like have you review or stay with them like they're going to have to accept the whole person and on the plus side like that's way more acceptable now than it's ever been so like be you know almost everyone who's on instagram and kind of does any kind of premium social media likely has an only fans or something similar so it is more widely accepted now than ever before like you've got people like Lena the plug whoever thrive thriving youtube channel huge podcasts um many brand deals even she has her whole mom instagram which is like the most vanilla <laughs> segment of an audience anyone could want to reach but she still gets branded with hella mom stuff so i think it can be done i think more so the issue is being afraid to put yourself out there and pot like potentially feel that reject or rejection but i think If you're brave and courageous enough to do it, the brands that are going to be attracted to that are going to come for you.
1: Thank you so much. Those are all of my questions. You've been very helpful.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you for coming up and speaking. (laughs) All right. So last but not least, and most importantly, I do want to emphasize that all the stuff we put out here on Sexwork CEO is free because I do believe in the idea that the more financially successful creators are, the more resources we will have in our community to do things like lobby Congress, impact policy, organize, and more. So if you did find value in the content you've heard here today or the tweets that you've engaged with, please, please, please consider sharing it to make the journey easier for some of your own adult creator friends. Our only ask is that you retweet and share our stuff so we can help as many of you as humanly possible. Now, let me just check real quick. I do have a question for Bryn here that I want to answer or from someone listening. It says, I may have missed it earlier, but other than blackmail, are there some valid reasons that someone would want to change their stage name? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of valid reasons. If you want to take your career in a different direction, if uh, I mean a really common one is like a, a domestic abusive situation or a custody battle um, in someone's real life that warrants them to rebrand and kind of be untraceable for a bit. There's a lot of reasons, it, and we kind of talk about it at the beginning in this space, but I can recap it real quick for you. We've got the primary reasons are just for a change of direction, the expansion of content into maybe different niche that doesn't align with your current brand. Um, Trying to stay relevant or have more relatability to an audience. Also personal growth or change, which is kind of what what Queen was kind of mentioning about doing this, you know, new venture with safer work and travel stuff. Um, And then to separate your personal and professional identity for a lot of the people that joined like the OnlyFans or adult space during COVID. A lot of them did so under their real names, which is, you know, problematic and dangerous. So now they're having to rebrand onto a stage name. So there can be a lot of reasons. I think ultimately knowing if a rebrand is right for you is knowing yourself and what what you think is warranting of it. If you feel like you've just built something that isn't a thriving business or you're not getting enough revenue, like I don't think those things are great reasons to rebrand because it's going to be equally hard to start over. Like if you're just starting over from scratch, that is equally hard. But if you're taking the audience with you, just changing your name, your, your colors, your whatever represents your brand, um, that is more doable. I think that only you can kind of know if a rebrand is the right approach. So I would, I mean, it maybe whoever needed to, to know that answer could also DM us privately on Sexwork CEO. And maybe I can give them more specific um, like answers for whatever their case may be. But I think there's a lot of good reasons to rebrand. It just depends on what your needs are as a content creator. All right, CEO Squad, that is it for today. It would be absolutely incredible If you rated this podcast five stars and left a little review, we want to get this podcast to as many adult creators as possible and you taking a second to leave a couple stars and a review really helps us do that. Thanks so much.